therein lies the, the crux of the problem. We don't want to see ourselves as old. We see the other person as, as old. And by doing that, we limit ourselves and our options in terms of dealing with the issues that we're ultimately going to face. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Making your mark, big or small, is creating a legacy, and it's one of the proven ways we can age with vibrance and energy. And Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow zestful ager. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who is a previous guest on Zestful Aging. Find out more at judybanker.com. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and other offerings, hop on over to zestfulaging.com. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Well, you know who I've got right by my side, my little Jack Russell Sparky. He's waiting for his walk and he will get one soon. We have a great interview for you today. We're going to be speaking with Jeff Rubin and he's an internationally recognized advocate for positive aging and he's a leader in the fight against ageism. He advises business and community leaders on intergenerational and aging issues. He's an advocate for age-friendly and livable communities. Mr. Rubin is currently working to advance these initiatives through the empowerment of local thought leaders here and abroad across the generational divide. He's also the author of Wisdom of Age. And today we're going to talk to Jeff about what ageism is, how it affects us, and how we can advocate for ourselves and others. Welcome to the program, Jeff. Oh, welcome. Thank you for jo- for allowing me to be on your show. Oh, yes, of course. We have so much stuff to talk about. You and I have kind of a, a, just a similar, I think, vibe and style and passion here. Um, let's just start off like at the beginning here. Tell me a little bit how you got involved in your fight against ageism. How, how did that begin? I, I, it began with my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a long distance caregiver like many people are. And mm-hmm. I had two older brothers who lived close, close to my mom. She was in New Jersey and I was in Colorado. And yet they were clueless when it came to the resources and services that were available. And my mom was not forthcoming in sharing information about what she needed or how she was feeling. You know, she was from a generation where information was on a need to know basis. <laughs> and her feeling was you didn't need to know. <laughs> and so uh, I did a lot of research and a lot of background before I got into the fray, so to speak. Uh, and there were two books that influenced me in terms of, of 
going on my journey of, of addressing ageism. And one was a book by Ken Dykewald called Age Wave. And the second was a book by Art Linkletter, if you remember Art Linkletter. Mm -hmm. um, he wrote a book called Old Age is Not for Sissies. Mm -hmm. And that book really inspired me because it, it showcased how older people were using their own resources to, uh, to, to deal with issues that came up at the time. And there wasn't a lot of, of uh, programs back in the, in, in the 50s that were focused on, on helping uh, a caregiver cope with the many of the issues that we face it today. Was, it was kind of an invisible phenomenon, would you say? Yes, absolutely. And in many ways, it still is today. You know, we don't want to talk about growing old because we're dealing with our, our mortality. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I, I may have shared a story with you earlier. I'll speak to a number of different groups and I'll start out by asking a question and I'll say by show of hands, how many old people are in this room? Mm -hmm. And very rarely does a person raise their hand. And then I'll say, do you know any old people? And every hand goes up. <laughs> Okay. And, and your I, point is that nobody wants to identify themselves as old? Right. You know, we that therein lies the, the crux of the problem. We don't want to see ourselves as old. We see the other person as, as old. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, we limit ourselves and our options in terms of dealing with the issues that we're ultimately going to face. I mean, we're all going to age. And what's, I mean, what's the alternative? Right, so, exactly. Yes. And so it really is a question of how we we deal with it and how open we are to the possibilities. Because the the perception, particularly in, in terms of ageism, is that it is a downward spiral once you reach a certain age. Mm -hmm. And no Nothing one can good happens. No. And and no one can define that age. You know, it's 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 really interesting that 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 People think they're old at a certain age. I mean, I have friends who are in their 40s and 50s who are saying things like, well, when you get to be my age, you know, <laughs> and, and if like they're halfway through. Yes, yes, yes. And if they're saying it now, what are they going to say when they're 70 or 80 or 90? Uh, and maybe at 90, you have you have the right to say that. Uh, <laughs> but I will say that until we're willing to address it and you ask me about what is ageism, it is really discrimination against anyone at any age based on a, a misperception or a stereotype that we have. And so it does affect the young and the old. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, is where we're, we need to, to go to begin to change this culture that is not just in this country, it's worldwide, this culture of ageism. Mm -hmm. And do you think that's that's the main reason people don't want to call themselves old? I mean, w there's a lot of denial here. Is it about ageism? Is it about facing our own mortality? What is so hard about saying, I'm old? Well, you know, it, it, it depends on how you view it. I mean... There is a, a lot of talk these days, particularly as the boomers age, about, well, do we want to call ourselves seniors? Because for years, we, we all know a, a senior citizen 
where you, mm-hmm. you can get the, the senior discount. Yes. Well, as a boomer, um, I don't know too many people who want to want to see themselves as, as a senior. Mm-hmm. So even the term has been tossed about and, 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 and turned on its ear. And so there's been all sorts of, of, of terms tossed around. Matter of fact, um, a term that was coined by uh, Ken Dykewell with his first book was called middle essence. Ah. So instead of adolescence, we've reached middle essence. Mm-hmm. However, I don't know too many people that, that see themselves as a middle essence. <laughs> um, and so it really is a question of, of well, am I, am I an older uh, adult? Am I an elder? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're still dealing with, with what the terminology is. And I think we need to go beyond that. But, but I do believe... And I used elder a lot mm-hmm. um, because I, I, to me, elder conjures up the image of uh, respect, of mm-hmm. wisdom. Yes. You know, of in, an ability to learn from that person. Mm-hmm. And so that's the kind of message I think we need to convey more of. Mm-hmm. Hello, everyone. I wanted to tell you about a product I've been using lately for aches and pains that's really helped me, and I've been singing it from the rooftops. Some of you may already have discovered the benefits of using CBD. I have found it to be a game changer for my creaky joints. I'm a tennis player, and I have three dogs, and being active is really important to me, and we know how important it is in aging well. But at age 59, my joints can be a bit stiff, uh, especially in my knees. And this stuff has really helped. So I don't have to wear a knee brace anymore, which really wasn't such a good look. I've done my research and it's very important to get the highest quality ingredients. There's a lot of junk on the market. So you have to make sure the product is tested by a third party lab at the very least. My favorite company is called Proze, P-R-O-Z-E, and they have several products that are formulated for specific problems, including sleep and mental focus. Uh, Lately, I've been using the performance gum called Yippies and the Nods, which helps me sleep and tastes very cinnamony. If you go to their website, pros.com, and enter the coupon code ZESTFUL, you're going to get 15% off. I highly recommend trying it out. I think you're really going to be surprised how effective it is, and I would love some feedback from you on how it works. Again, the website pros, P-R-O-Z-E dot com. Coupon code is zestful. Thank you. Now back to the show. So back to where you uh, came into this, you had, it sounds like a quite an awakening when your mom was needing some help. She wasn't articulating that. Your brothers were not particularly, uh, let's say, um, forthcoming in that. And you were left from, you're in New Jersey, your mom's in Colorado. No, vice versa. 
Oh, vice versa. You're in Colorado. Your mom's. And so how how did that work out for you? How did you, you went to the library? You, how did you figure out what was available to help your aging mom? Well, my background early on was in journalism. And so I, I, I gravitated toward research. Mm-hmm. My brothers, on the other hand, were not. Uh, that was not one of their primary skill sets. However, uh, in as I said, in, in doing the research, I realized that there are many programs and services that are out there. But unless you know what's available, it really is a maze mm. to, to try and, and navigate, particularly if you're dealing with an aging parent. And so uh, in terms of my research, I mean, I looked at the different programs. My mom was dealing with Parkinson's at the time, uh, different support groups, uh, uh different uh, doctors who specialized in that, different programs that were out there. And I, I shared this information with my brothers and said, look, if this happens, you can. this is a, a place you can call or this is someone you can talk to or what have you. Or, uh, you know, if, 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 we, if you're going to talk to mom, uh, there's a sensitivity of how you approach certain subjects. You know, we have a tendency, and I learned this early on in dealing with my own mom, that we know what's best. Hmm. And we get very frustrated when our parents aren't listening to us. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a role reversal. But in this case, uh, you find yourself not only being frustrated, but uh, annoying. We are annoying to the person <laughs> we're trying to help. Because all they're hearing is the chatter of the noise. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we need to treat people with the kind of dignity and respect they deserve. My mom, fortunately, was not dealing with an issue that affected her uh, mental acuity. Mm -hmm. But uh, she certainly was able to voice her own concerns, opinions, or what she felt was right for her. Until we're sensitive and recognize that, you know, we're still dealing with an adult here, mm-hmm. then we're not going to get to the heart of how we can help both our parent and ourselves. And we and by, by not doing that, we make it harder on ourselves. Yeah, it's a it's a shift, right? Because sometimes we have to let things go that we may not agree with. Right? I mean, there's this idea of dignity risk. And, you know, maybe I don't love the idea that, let's just say, for example, my mom's smoking in her house. Maybe I right. don't like that idea. Right. But at some level, you have to just accept that that person still is an adult, assuming that they don't have, you know, significant cognitive decline. Right. It's almost like, what, what battle do you want to fight? What's most important? And, and the other thing I'd add to that, Nicole, is who fights the battle? Mm. You know, if, if, if there are a number of siblings in the family, mm-hmm. who says that the woman has to be the primary caregiver? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, again, in terms of the stereotype, it's, it, it's, it appears to be the woman who should be the caregiver. And that's not fair. It's not written anywhere. And it's, and it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it may be a situation where you didn't get along with mom or dad, but your brother did. And maybe he's in a better position to have the conversations that need to be had. And so 
it really is a question of looking at what are the strengths and weaknesses of the family member mm-hmm. to be able to, to deal with the issues that arise. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm if if my background and my ability to do research is is an asset, then let me do that. And if it's not yours, then then do something else. If yours is more uh, one of of being an advocate for mom and going to the doctor with her and asking the questions that she's not going to ask or he's not going to ask, then that's your forte. Um, um, who has more time? You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the tough thing about being a caregiver is the stress that it leaves on that individual. I mean, there are instances where caregivers are more at risk of, of failing health than the person uh. they're caring for. It's interesting. This is something I haven't uh, spent much time on. Of course, it's been mentioned, but I think you bring up a really interesting point. If you are in a caregiver sibling group, you Mm -hmm. really have to coordinate, collaborate, and maybe navigate some (laughs) relationships that you haven't had to do before because you're living your own lives. Um, But this is you really have to assess, as you say, who's best at maybe having difficult conversations, who's best at doing the research, who's best at ordering, you know, the meds or following the medical uh, stuff. So it takes some intention and maybe we even would say goodwill to say Mm -hmm. we have to come together as a support group. We may not have gotten along great in the past, but we need each other. Yes, but, you know, that rather than go down the path of being a caregiver, although that is an important issue it's in its own right, I mean, you have guests that certainly are, are um, experts in a, that area. I use that as an example. Some of the things we're not talking about uh, because we're, we're avoiding the issue of aging. And, and so uh, we're reactive when it comes to mm-hmm. taking care of the uh, of mom or dad or the issues we face, rather than being proactive. Mm-hmm. And there, it, there in itself is the problem. You know, when we look at the, that, uh, our, our world today, it's not just here in the United States, it's, it's worldwide. I mean, our, our, our global uh, society is, is aging. There mm-hmm. are right now in, in the United States, 55 million Americans, 65 and older. In 10 years, there'll be uh, 70 million people. And worldwide today, a billion people, 65 Mm. and older. Mm. And yet we're still slow to recognize that this shift is something that we need to prepare for. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I know we talked off air about my work with um, age-friendly communities. That was an initiative launched by the World Health Organization to wake communities up to the fact that we do have this aging population and how are we prepared for it? Mm -hmm. And so they looked at uh, whether a community is age friendly based on eight quality of life factors. So uh, uh, health is is certainly one of them. Uh, Safety, employment, transportation, affordable housing, outdoor spaces, et cetera, et cetera. And when you look at these issues, through the lens of an elder, then everybody benefits. Mm-hmm. And that's the piece that is sorely missing. I and, see. and the other uh, side of the coin is if we're living longer, and by the way, um, 
80, uh, you know, there's 78 million boomers who have reached the age of 60. And, and, and we have 85 plus is the fastest growing age group. Wow. So, so when you talk about, I mean, just think of in terms of the, the sheer numbers, we're shooting ourselves in the foot by not acknowledging that fact mm -hmm. and preparing for it. Now, it's not doom and gloom, but uh, to me, the future is opportunity because if we own our age, mm -hmm. there are all sorts of things going on out there. And I'm part of a group uh, that's international called the Passing On Network. And these are folks from all over the world who are dealing with the same issues that we are here. Transportation, affordable housing, isolation and loan are big issues. Mm -hmm. I had, matter of fact, in England, for example, they, they had a ministry just devoted to uh, loneliness. Mm -hmm. It's a major, major concern. Yes, it is. It's a real health concern. Yes, absolutely. And, and there are studies that show if we change our attitude about aging, if we have a positive attitude about aging, we're going to live on average seven years or more. Right. That statistic, you know, it, it, it always blows my mind. I mean, how important it is that our, our attitude and our psyche are uh, feeling positive and hopeful and optimistic rather than, well, this is the beginning of a long downhill spiral. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I shared with someone else, I said, I feel like I'm sitting on the fence. I said, on the one hand, I look at all the people who, who consider their future to be uh, um, gloom and doom. And, and I'll preface that by saying I talked to one woman about how she felt. She said she was 70 at the time. I said, how do you feel about that? She said, I feel invisible. And I felt that was true for so many older adults because they don't feel like they're being heard. They don't feel like they're being respected. They don't feel like they're, they're being uh, asked to contribute. And so that's a, a very difficult reality to deal with. Mm -hmm. But when you change that mindset, on the other hand, when we look at all the possibilities that are coming up, and then, then technology today is a big part of improving one's ability to not only live longer, but to be able to live longer with a better quality of life. Look at the, the technology improvements in telemedicine, mm -hmm. in, in uh, what will soon be cars that drive themselves, because that's going to be a major issue. And, and how we accept that and how we, we, we um, utilize that is really going to make a difference. So, you know, the other thing, and I think this has been slow to become realized by the um, mainstream companies and organizations, is that the older population is a tremendous economic source. Mm -hmm. If we're living longer, chances are we're going to be working longer. And we're going to continue to contribute to mm, society. Mm, mm, I mean, mm. today, the 55 plus uh, crowd generates $7.3 trillion in consumer spending just here in the United States alone. Wow. So there's really this misconception of elders kind of sucking the system dry right. that, you know, you get older and then you just pull from Social Security. You're using up all the, you know, the, the medical resources and you're not contributing is so antiquated and so off base and really 
frankly, so insulting. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, as late as 2015, there was an op-ed piece in the New York Times talking about elders as being a, a, a drain on resources. Mm -hmm. So, you're, you know, you're, you're, your point is spot on. That's how we view elders because of this misperception that we have or th this adversion to growing old. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, Andy Rooney, if you yeah, remember Andy Rooney. I from, do remember him. From 60 Minutes, yes. he says, you know, but uh, everyone wants to live longer, but nobody wants to grow yes. old. Yep. And, and, yep. and there lies the dilemma. But I have to tell you, and, and you asked me early on uh, the reason for my book, uh, part of it was to showcase the ludicrousness of considering someone old at a certain age. You know, if you look at it, age is relative. If I'm a five-year-old, 12 is old. Mm -hmm. If I'm a 12-year-old, 20 is old, and, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can, you can go on from there. But if we consider someone old at a certain age, then we deny ourselves, as well as that individual, the right to, to uh, speak truth, if you will, or share the uh, wisdom that comes with experience. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, uh, not that long ago, they were talking about this, again, prior to coronavirus, in, in the Silicon Valley. If you were over 30, you couldn't find employment. <laughs> That's mind-boggling, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm and, sorry you, you're too yeah. old. And, you know, it's interesting, too. I've spoken to some people about advertising, and I'm sure you know oh, quite a bit about this, too, is that the people who are um, making the ads are 30-somethings. Yes. So they're not going to put 55 and old, because that's just, those are not their, you know, demographic, and uh, they do what they know. Right. And so it's so skewed. And then we get the idea that, it's only okay to be to have smooth skin and you know be able to run a marathon and right. all of this. Right. Yes, they do what they 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 know, or yes. they do what they think they know. Yes, and that and and there there's the problem. You don't. You're right. You don't see too many people who are in their fifties or beyond who are in the advertising industry. Mm -hmm. And and look at all that that insight that could be gained. Mm -hmm. The kinds of of ads that could be run that deal with aging with dignity and respect mm -hmm. you, you know, can't google that yes yeah. instead of a caricature let me ask you this jeff have you ever dealt with ageism personally oh you know I, i've been asked that before yes i think that we all have in some form or fashion and it be even self ageism you know mm -hmm. we are so caught up in the environment we live in, mm -hmm. that we do use terms like when you get to be my age or, mm -hmm. oh, I'm having a senior moment mm -hmm. um, or, gee, doesn't she look good for her age? Mm -hmm. This is all this is all a self-fulfilling approach to um, a, a buying into ageism. Mm -hmm. um, it's like an why, internal ageism. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I believe that we need to change this culture of ageism by looking at this from an intergenerational perspective. I, I mentioned earlier that to a five-year-old, 12 is old. I don't see 
any programs going on at the elementary school level, for example, to address age, to look at it as a um, uh, opportunity, mm -hmm. as something to look forward to, mm -hmm. and how we can engage intergenerationally. There are so many ways that elders can can influence youth and youth can influence elders. And there are many marvelous programs out there where that's happening. For years, the federal government had sponsored a, a program called the Senior Service Corps, where seniors themselves and low-income seniors mm -hmm. were able to provide support and assistance to keep people independent who were frail elderly and adult disabled. And to keep them independent in their own home, we all want to stay in our own home mm -hmm. as long as we possibly can. It just but, makes sense. It makes so much sense. Sure. But you know what? The, the programs like the Senior Companion Program uh, or Foster Grandparents uh, that have been under this umbrella of the Senior Service Corps for literally 50 years or more. When I talk about it, most people say, oh, I never heard of that program. Mm -hmm. And I learned early on the reason people have it or haven't looked into it is because we see elders as the recipients of service, not the providers of mm -hmm. service. And boy, are we missing out. Mm -hmm. And are we limiting the options for input at a time when we can least afford to do so? Yeah, we need some wisdom right now. <laughs> yes. Google, Google's not going to help us through these crises. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And how optimistic are you, Jeff, that things are starting to change? What are you seeing? I, I, you know, there, is, um, there are universities that encourage lifelong education, which is a major uh, uh, opportunity for people who want to continue to learn and grow. Uh, there are programs like yours. There are national and international initiatives like the Pass It On Network we're bringing people together to begin to talk about how we can, and not only what the issues are, but how do we address them and how do we address them creatively? There is a hunger on the part of young people to, to really engage with elders. And, and that's surprising because, uh, and not surprising to me, but surprising because many people think that, oh, young people don't want to know about uh, older people. No, there's a hunger there mm -hmm. for people to, for generations to come together. We're simply not uh, encouraging it. And what do, and, and that's such an interesting point. And what I found is uh, when I look at the analytics of people listening to this show, I originally thought they were going to be kind of 45 and up. But what I'm finding is younger people are listening and it's about aspiration. Yes. You know, who that, you know, what do I want to be? What do I want my middle and older life to look like? Because I need to start thinking about that now. Yes. You know, we it's a basic human trait. We all feel we need to be needed. Mm -hmm. And and there's so much that we can provide to one another. You know, it's funny. The fastest growing group of entrepreneurs, people 16 and older. Wow. Wow. And, and part of it is out of necessity. Part of it is out of boredom. Part of it is out of experience. But they are also working with and collaborating with young people. I, I'm working with a group of students at uh, San Diego State University who are uh, – budding entrepreneurs who are looking at ways that they can provide services to an older population. And they are 
enthusiastic as can be in terms of uh, and thirsty to learn as much as they can about our older population. That must be satisfying for you. Very much so. I, I you know, I do feel I feel I'm I'm in a fight every day to change this mindset. You know, I, 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 we could we could talk for hours in terms of, of the issues and the opportunities. And my inspirations, by the way, and the inspiration for my book came from a fella uh, named Dr. Edward Schaefer, who uh, at 98 was still active and engaged and admired by people, not because of how old he was, but because who he was. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing we want. We, you know, I, I'm tired of seeing stories that say, oh, so-and-so is 98 and he's still barbering. You know, a, a barber in Washington, D.C. recently he goes to work every day. That shouldn't be the exception. Mm-hmm. If you want to work, you should be able to work. If you want to contribute, whether it's at a volunteer or what have you, or, or make a difference in your children or grandchildren's life. That's the could, legacy piece. Yep. Yes, absolutely. What is your legacy, Jeff? Yeah, what legacy it, are you working on leaving? Well, you know, I... I, I it's a trite phrase, but I think what's important in life is being remembered for making a difference. Mm-hmm. And I just feel that we each have the potential to influence somebody else's life for the better. I mean, that's the purpose of my book, which is the fact that you can find wisdom at any age. I mean, I'm, there are people who are benefiting from the insights of children as young as seven or nine are saying things that people in their in their 50s and 60s need to hear mm-hmm. and have forgotten and they've become an inspiration for them and vice versa you know my book talks has wisdom and insight from children as young as five to people as old as 103 mm-hmm. and that wisdom that you find in there it's there's a clarity of that wisdom at people at both ends of the age age continuum it's us in the middle who need re- refreshing, need to need a refresher course in, in what's what's truly important in life. Yeah, I think that's really uh, well said. Can you give us some tips when we are either uh, internally ageist or if somebody says something um, like, oh, pretty good for an old person or, you know, all of those kinds of things that you mentioned, What's the best way to address that just in a kind of daily life kind of way? I think you can you can be an ally in the in the movement for positive aging just by correcting people saying, look, uh, yes, I look good for any age. (laughs) You know, uh, (laughs) thank you for your comment. Thank you for noticing. (laughs) Yes, yes. yes. (laughs) I see. So to, to sort of shine the light on that it's not about age. No, but how many mm-hmm. times have you heard, you know, we'll go to a store or something. Uh, how are you today, hon? Or oh, sweetie? Yes. Or, you know, if you think of the words that are said to you as condescending mm-hmm. rather than, than inspiring or, or, uh, or helpful or recogni- recognizing who you're, you're talking to, you need to say something. You know, I, I, I find myself speaking up more and more, particularly when people say, oh, I'm having a senior moment. 
Yeah. We never say, we never say you're having a junior moment, you know? <laughs> so what do you say? Give us some examples of, oh, I'm having a senior moment. What might you say to that? Um, you know, I, I would say, have, and what's, have you had a senior moment? What's that like for you? And in fact, I'm working on a, on a, a project now that is designed to turn that term senior moment on its ear because a, a moment of, of listening to an elder, in my experience, can be a moment of wisdom. And so I really, uh, I, I feel very blessed to have had uh, Dr. Schaefer uh, be in my life and be an inspiration for my book because he had a zest for life that defied age. And I just believe that just being in his presence made a big difference for anyone who was, uh, who was fortunate enough to know him. And I just think that, you know, you can, you can, live, you can live a lifetime in, in 60 seconds. And uh, I think there's a lot to be mined, a lot to be learned if we take the time to listen. So. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a beautiful way to, to end. A lot to be mined if we take the time to listen. Um, Jeff, where can people find out more about you and all of these uh, wonderful projects you're involved in? Well, I would invite anyone who, who um, is listening to uh, go to my website, which is www.wisdomofage.net. Mm-hmm. And to look at the information you'll find, there's, there's a lot of resources and a lot of articles that, that I think will be very thought-provoking for your listeners. And if you, you want to join this movement, the book is inspiring people to join a movement for positive aging. We are encouraging people to become thought leaders. Matter of fact, I'm working with people to develop local thought leaders and change agents who can inspire people in their own community about the, the opportunities to be had by engaging and, and embracing aging. Mm -hmm. And so uh, anyone that would like to talk with me, I'd feel free to give me a call or email me at jeff at wisdomofage.net. Okay. And take the time to, um, to be inspired. That's great. I love that. Take the time to be inspired. Boy, do we all need that right now. Thank you so much, Jeff, for sharing your obvious passion. And these are such important issues. We need to develop policies so we'll be ready and we can really address the demographic that we all are and, and the things that we're going to need. It only makes good sense. And I really appreciate your dedication to this and your um, your own zest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm glad that you, you count me among the zestful. So. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll end there. Thanks so much. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye now. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about a powerful new tool that supports your mental and emotional health in what are extremely trying times. And you may remember that I've been a psychotherapist for 30 years and I'm always a little suspicious of products that claim to help us feel less anxious, depressed, or worried. 
But then I was introduced to a new kind of app called Cope Notes, and I have become a big fan. Cope Notes was developed by a guy who spent a lot of his life trying to figure out what might help support him through his own weekly psychotherapy sessions. Cope Notes is an app that gives you random texts through the day to break through some of the negative messages that might be repeating in your head. It's well-researched and has been adopted by many mental health facilities. I highly recommend it. I think we can all use a little support right now. So check out Cope Notes dot com forward slash zestful. I will receive a small portion of those proceeds. Um, and I'd love to hear your feedback about how it works for you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest. 